We're joined in studio by member for Keppel, Brittany Lorga. It's so nice to have you in here. It's lovely to be here, guys. Now, Brittany, youth crime has been a huge issue in recent years in CQ and particularly car theft. And earlier this week, I shared my own story of a home invasion. And although nothing was stolen, it certainly affected me mentally for weeks. I didn't feel safe in my own home. It increased my anxiety and majorly affected my sleep and bank balance as I am upgrading my security for peace of mind. I know others experience similar things. And there's lots of lashing out on socials for who is responsible for this and the finger is, finger is constantly pointed back to the government for not doing enough and the legislation for youth crime. And personally, I didn't feel that way, but I do now understand how victims of crime live with the aftermath of the experience and feel very distressed and become very fastidious about security in every way, whereas the youths just attack another street the next night. How are you navigating all of this with your constituents? Yeah, well, firstly, Pinky, like, I'm really sorry to hear what happened. It must have been awful. And I talk to victims every week and they say similar things about how it's affected um, their everyday life, um, their bank balance as well, of course, and just their sense of security and safety. Yeah. And especially um, elderly women, um, single mums, people in the community who have experienced this go through a really awful time. So for that, I just want to express, you know, my condolences and, you know, I'm sorry that you've had to go through that and I'm sorry to, for all of those victims who have had to go through something like that. Um, but the number one priority for me is to keep our community as safe as possible. And it's a tough, it, it's tough, it's complex. Um, these kids, you know, we have to we have to get to the root of why they're committing these crimes um, and try and prevent it. That's the number one priority, I think, is um, try and prevent this from happening as much as possible. Yeah. Do you find, do you ever feel personally overwhelmed by the task at head to try and combat this? You know, in the same way that someone might sit there and feel overwhelmed by global warming because they're one small piece in the puzzle. Do you ever feel like that with an issue like this? No, I think, you know, I grew up here and I live here and I'm raising my family here. So I... I want what everyone else wants, which is to be as safe as possible. And, you know, it's my job to work as a public of official to um, keep our community as safe as possible. I want this to be a great place to live and work and raise a family. And so um, community safety is absolutely part of that. Um, there's some amazing people who work in this space, whether it be the police in our community who do a fantastic job. And I meet with them regularly uh, to see how we could um, better support them and reduce the amount of crime in our community. But also, I mean, the youth workers, the social workers, our health system, the teachers, uh, everyone is keen to try and get these kids on the right path in life as much as possible. So it's definitely a community effort and I definitely feel out there that there's very strong community support to work together to solve these complex issues. Yeah, and you talk with the police locally, as you said, and what I learnt that morning as well when they came out to dust for fingerprints, because it wasn't obviously just my place, is that, yeah, it's pretty much Groundhog Day every morning for them. That's kind of how they start out their day. There's a whole team of them. They've had a call, such as myself, early in the morning. Um, they dealt with me amazingly. They were really kind. 
Um, but as you said, they also have to offer support and understanding of how victims are feeling. So they also followed me up to offer counselling as well. You go on a bit of a waiting list and was, um, as, as well as advice on security and tips on how to kind of improve things as well. But yeah, I guess they're probably feeling pretty fatigued with the whole thing too. They do. I think that they would be much, they would much prefer to be, um, you know, chasing other crims than, yeah. you know, fingerprinting cars that... It's just, you know, silly offences, things that don't need to happen. So I, I know that they feel frustrated about it and, um, you know, that's why we work together to try and um, prevent this from happening. Um, these serious repeat offenders is probably where we need to target. Um, there's a small cohort of young people who are serious repeat offenders. Um, they are in and out of jail um, and we need to really concentrate our resources. Most kids who, you know, if they commit a crime, um, they do the time, they, they, they um, face that punishment. Um, but then most are rehabilitated and don't recommit crimes, but it's this serious repeat offenders that we really have to target. With the calls to change legislation and holding the government accountable for this, which is what I see a lot of the conversations online, um, particularly obviously social media, what do you think about that? Do you think legislation changes could really improve things? Yeah, look, we changed the Youth Justice Act last year to make bail a breach of bail an offence. So now if you're out on bail and you commit an offence, um, you will go back before the courts. Um, we've also just made knife crime a legislation or the sale of knives to juveniles as well just last week in Parliament. So before last week, um, juveniles, young people could just actively buy a knife in any store in Queensland, mm. um, that access and availability of knives meant that those serious repeat offenders had access to um, to weapons like knives. So uh, changing legislation can play a role, but at the end of the day, we also, this, this does take a community effort of supporting young people to keep on the right track in life as opposed to turning into a life of crime. Well, there's actually mm. quite a few really interesting youth justice programs being run around central Queensland, which I was quite inspired, I guess, and felt more positive to hear about, um, I think we should definitely discuss those. Now, we were just having a chat about that, and now we're getting on to the conversation about the youth justice programs that are running throughout CQ. There are three of them. Can you take us through them and and how they are working, please? Yeah. So Project Booyah is an early intervention program. Um, It's operated by police. Uh, There's a cohort of 10 young people um, between 14 and 16 years of age. Um, that's for um, kids who might be on the verge of or almost about to enter the youth justice system. They might be wagging school or um, committing sort of low-level offences. Um, they participate in that program as a way to um, help them see what the future could hold if they get their life on track. They participate in school. Um, the police are involved, health Department of Education. It's a very good holistic program and it's seeing some really good results with 85% of young people who participate go back to school or into some sort of training or work. Um, Transition to success is one for youth offenders who have effectively been in jail and they've come out. Um, And then there's a program like Level Up, which um, Elise and Nulang run in Yapoon. And that's about getting young people who are disengaged with school into training or or the workplace. But these are programs that are actively running in CQ and they are proving to work with some really good results in um, reducing re-offending and getting young people back into school or training. The Transition to Success program, are they... uh 
the people identified coming out of jail to go into that program, how does it work, though, for, say, the, the people that invaded your home, Pinky, where the cops said, oh, look, we have an idea, but don't have enough to catch them, and they might not have been to jail? How do you... How do we get those people into these programs? Yeah, so if they've committed an offence, the police will find them and charge them. We have a really good solve rate for um, youth offences in central Queensland. The police will find them, they charge them, um, and it might not be right away, but, you know, the forensics get the fingerprints, they they find them eventually, and then they are charged, brought before a magistrate, and then sentenced under um, under the Youth Justice Act. The magistrate has a whole range of offences or sentences that they can choose from, but um, they do have to consider community safety as the number one priority. So if community safety is at risk, the magistrate is required under the Youth Justice Act to sentence them to prison. Um, They'll go to prison in Brisbane. We have about 35 young people here at the moment who are in prison in Brisbane. Brisbane. Uh, I went and had a look at the prison last year just Mm. to have an idea about what happens there and I can tell you it's not a pretty place Um, it's awful and uh, I would not want I'm a parent and I would never in my life want uh, my kid to end up in a place like that and um, but it's about school they go to school there every day the teachers in that prison are amazing Uh, they do bricklaying skills and then when they get out they go into programs like transition to success as a pathway out yeah, no, you go. Sorry, Pinky. Oh, yeah, so I was just going to ask because what I hear a lot of um, through the show and then just in conversation with people, and I'm sure you have too, is just, oh, you know, their parents aren't doing enough. And I feel like there's a lot of um, lack of education for all of us to understand that if you, you know, you might be uh, a fairly, inverted commas, normal parent, say, you know, with your life, with your family, um, but there's it's very complicated as to why these kids offend in the first place. So you had some really interesting stats and information about the kinds of kids or the kinds of backgrounds they might come from as well. It might not be anything you can relate to. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, what happens at these in these kids' lives prior to their offending is usually pretty horrific. Um, most yeah. come from unstable homes or unsuitable accommodation. They're couch surfing or living in cars or living in homes that are um, domestic and family violence yeah. homes. Um, m- most have behavioural disorders, mental health disorders. Um, Even a third of these serious repeat offenders have one or more disabilities as well. So um, they have complex needs, complex backgrounds and uh, in terms of how we rehabilitate them so that they have a happy, healthy life into the future is not as easy as what some people might think it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, because it would be like if one of, you know, a 16-year-old car thief right now grows up to be with a child without intervention how would they know to raise like their cycles. child yeah, yeah. goes from generational yeah exactly yeah. oh it'd be so difficult how, so how are you guys measuring the success of these uh, programs versus when they're sent to jail yeah so we look at the completion rate um, the, these um, kids they graduate from these programs and we celebrate that fact that they've actually you know committed to a 16 week program and they've showed up and they're actually doing the doing the work um, and then we measure uh, what they're doing afterwards and whether they're likely to reoffend or not. So 12 months after they've completed it, whether they've reoffended, um, whether they're still involved at school or training or they've got work and where they're at. So it is a longitudinal study post-completion of the programs to see how they're working because there's no use running these things if they don't work. Yeah. 
And it sounds like you were having a pretty good success rate there. As we're saying, we're not after perfection. We're not after 100% improvement or even completion of the programs, are we? But however many graduate and come through and make changes to their lives and go down different paths is reducing the impact on the community in the negative way. Definitely. Um, We're getting them on a better track and path in life and that we're reducing the impact on the community and and the budget as well. I mean, it costs money to lock lock criminals yeah. up. Mm. So, but also a huge impact on on victims. You know, lifelong impacts in some cases. You know, I'm sure that you will probably never forget what happened that night. Yeah, and no. So, yeah. Um, th- a lot of these criminals don't understand the long term impacts that these. Um, that they have on these victims. And just quickly, before we go go to the news, because it is almost 8 o'clock, the Youth Justice Conferencing, can Mm. you tell us briefly about that, please? How does that work? Yeah, so magistrates can sentence um, perpetrators to undertake a conference with their victims. So where a crime's being committed, uh, that young person can be required to sit down and actually eyeball the person who they committed the crime against. Yep. Um, it's a really powerful tool and it work, it's really quite effective because victims get to have their say. It, it is voluntary. The victim doesn't have to um, participate in it, but it's really, really effective and powerful tool for um, victims to have their say, but also the perpetrators to have to sit in front the person who they've caused so much damage to. Yeah, because I'm sure they have yeah. no idea. They don't. And so hearing it direct from the person who they've impacted uh, is really, really powerful. And we're seeing great results in terms of the number of um, people who participate in those pro- in that program don't go on to reoffend. So yeah, okay. So there are a lot of a lot of things in the process uh, helping change what's going on at the moment. And as frustrating as it might be for some people to hear, and as bitter pill as it might be to swallow, it sounds like TLC for these uh, youth crims is is the way to go. Brittany Lauger, member for Keppel, thank you so much for coming into studio today. I'm sure we could chat for a lot longer, but we really appreciate it. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> thank you. It's great to be here.